Well, good morning, TBA. How are you guys doing? Morning. Great. That side is great. That side is still indecisive. Welcome indecisive people to church. We welcome you here. This week it was so crazy. How many did Black Friday shopping? I thought there'd be a lot more people than that. My family's clapping back there. So my son is eight years old. And in all seriousness, we're walking around and he says, he's like, Daddy, I know what I want for Christmas. I'm like, what, buddy? What what do you want for Christmas? Daddy, I want deodorant because I stink like that. I'm like, he's eight years old and I'm thinking, this kid is crazy. But if you know my son, you know he's pretty crazy. Well, I welcome you guys here. It's great to be here with y'all. Today, we're going to be in 1 Samuel. Actually, we're going to be all over the Bible, but we're in 1 Samuel. Guys, I want you to hear this today. Praise is the breakthrough. There is victory in Jesus to be had. In Samuel, this week, we read about Saul, King Saul and King David. Saul was an unrighteous king who disobeyed the Lord, and the Lord took the kingship away from Saul and gave it to David. The Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. You see, David was a worshiper. He was a God chaser. He wrote at least 75 of the 150 Psalms in the Bible. He tasted glory on earth. He tasted presence and wanted more. But he wasn't a perfect person. In fact, it seems maybe God was being harsh on King Saul. I mean, didn't David commit adultery? Wasn't David disobedient too? But here's the difference. You see, when Saul sinned, when Samuel was a long time in coming, Saul took upon himself to be a priest and offer a sacrifice. He didn't do what God commanded, and he didn't kill everyone in battle. When Samuel proclaims God's judgment on Saul... Saul is sorrowful, but listen to what he says. It reveals what's in his heart, what's in Saul's heart. He says this, Samuel, pray to the Lord your God that none of this will happen. Did you hear what Saul said? Samuel, it's your God. Pray to him. Pray to him. You see, the difference is David sinned. He did But he repented, and he said, this is my God. I want to get back to you. I want to get back to the glorious pleasures I know, the richness of who you are, O God. And what it says in 1 Samuel, just to show you a little more of of Saul's heart, it says this, Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have violated the Lord's command and your instruction. I was afraid of men, and so I gave in to them. Do you hear a problem with that right there? And then I've added this in. This is a couple verses later, but I wanted to throw this in. This is what Saul says to Samuel. He says, honor me in front of the elders. Now I beg you, forgive my sin. He's talking to Samuel. He's asking Samuel to forgive his sin and come back with me so I may worship the Lord. See, the key difference is David went to the Lord. He was a worshiper. I believe that this verse is revealed that Saul worshiped men and wanted to be worshipped. He was prideful and insecure. He depended on Samuel for his relationship and his worship. Earlier in the verse, in a couple of chapters before, it said that Saul built an altar to the Lord, and the scriptures say this, it was the first time he ever built an altar to the Lord. Why did they put that in the Bible? Because it should have a surprise next to it. It should say, surprise, why hasn't Saul done this before? 
right when he becomes king, why isn't he saying, you're the true king of Israel, I'm just your figurehead? Why hasn't he built an altar to the Lord in worship? It's a clue to his heart. He doesn't run to the present like David did. He's not a God chaser. He's not a worshiper. So the next chapter, Saul is the unofficial king, but God has removed his hand. God has removed Holy Spirit from him, and the evil spirit is torturing him. And this is where we're going to land today, that praise is the breakthrough. Listen to what it says in 1 Samuel. Whenever the spirit from God came upon Saul, David would take a harp and play. I wonder what songs he was playing. It wasn't the top 40 of the day. He was the top 40 of the day. The Psalms, worship. He was doing his worship that he'd been doing out in the fields with the sheep and worshiping God. Then listen to what it says. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. So David, the worshiper, comes and the evil spirit is driven away. So I want to talk to you today about worship and something intimately connected to singing is prayer. All the songs you just sang, they're prayers. They're intimately connected because I believe that the breakthrough you need in your life comes through prayer and worship. See, we all have strongholds in our lives like Saul. Listen, I can relate to Saul. Can you? I can. But because we are born again and have Holy Spirit, we have the powerful weapons of worship and prayer like David to overcome. Worship's a weapon. Worship and prayer are weapons. In the last book of the Bible in Revelation, worship is seen as a harp and a bowl. And the harp is obvious. It's worship, right? And the bowl is prayer. And it says it's like incense in this prayer rising up to our God. They are always seen together, prayer and worship. Think of the Psalms. Those are all prayers you are reading, yet they are songs. Your prayers should always have an element of worship in them. You see, and this is why we're doing this today. Because worship and prayer unlock the supernatural into the natural. His kingdom into this worldly satanic dominion. The coming age into this age. So why would something like worship and prayer be powerful enough to drive out the evil one's attacks and break strongholds in my life, to bring God's kingdom reality to my everyday life, the deliverance that I need? What well, says it in Psalm 22, 3? It says, but you are holy, God, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Is he enthroned on the praises of your heart? Is your king sitting on the throne of your heart, ruling your life? It's when the Lord takes his rightful place in our lives, when we worship him, when he's enthroned. It's a coronation. They're singing out their praises to God. And the Lord takes his rightful place in our lives when we worship. See, the kings were always first out in the battle. The worshipers were always first out in battle. It's the backwards way of God. Who sends the worshipers out first? Our God does. Because it's about him. And I love what it says. And this is the King James Version. I figure we already did the Lord's Prayer in a little old school King James. Let's bust it out again. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Does God inhabit praise? That's what the verse is saying right there. He inhabits the praises of his people. God inhabits the praises. Listen to those 
those Hebrew words in there, what they mean. It means it inhabits, dwells in, abides in. He waits in ambush. That means when you praise him, you just sent our warring God on all our enemies. Marrying the intimacy of praise and worship, ownership, to tarry, to sit down, to make judgments on behalf of his people. God wants to make judgments on the behalf of the things going on in your life. But are you enthroning him when you praise him and when you worship him? You see, God inhabits the praises of his people. Praise brings the presence of God, his Shekinah glory, the manifest presence. Listen, the spirit of God holds all things together. He was here when you showed up in the building. You just didn't realize it. And hopefully you did when you started praising him. When you started praising him, it brought his manifest presence of God. You're like, what's different about this place? What's going on? It's the presence of God. And where the presence of God is, the enemy has to flee Because what God inhabits, there is freedom. Where there is breakthrough, when he's there. God, listen, I want you to hear this. God is not bound by anything. And he doesn't want his children bound by anything either. Every oppression, every soul sickness, every sickness, every hurt, habit, or hang-up, God has provided victory in the blood of Jesus on the cross of Christ. It says in Matthew and in Isaiah, by his stripes we are healed. All those whips on his back for all humanity, all mankind. He provided all the healing for your spirit, soul, body through Christ. So when you praise, what you've done is you just unleashed our warring, compassionate God to battle for you in the smallest and greatest of matters. You've unleashed his presence to wash over your mind and to change you and others around you. We need Davids who rise up Releasing worship all over the earth, causing deliverance to break out over God's people. And when we access it by worship and prayer, deliverance comes, breakthrough comes. The problem is we don't stand in the victory and continue to worship and pray. You see, worship and prayer, I want you to hear this. Worship and prayer doesn't change God as much as it changes us to see as God sees. How would you like God's perspective on your circumstances right now? Because that's what I need. I know that's what I need. One of the most, most beautiful verses in the Bible, most powerful verses in the Bible. I love it. Matthew 11 says this. Have faith in God. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believing you have received it, it will be yours. That's a challenge right there. Jesus is dropping on his people to say, you better pray and start believing. But listen to this. The phrase, have faith in God, means have God's faith. In Greek, it's in the passive voice. It means the action comes from an outside source, not ourselves. In other words, our human nature is incapable of generating faith on its own. We must take hold of God's faith. We must see from his perspective when we pray. Worship and prayer do that. It changes us. You have a hard heart? Worship. You don't believe? Then pray. Ever notice how the Lord lifts your spirit when you worship and pray? Amen, somebody? It's like it nourishes faith and your whole disposition changes and you start to believe, you start to have God's faith. But what happens when you walk out here? 
when you walk out of this room, you lose that because you're not continually worshiping and praying. He isn't inhabiting your life. Listen, this is not a one-time thing on Sunday. It's a 24-7 thing worshiping our God. You see, we want the magic wand with the Lord, and he does deliver in an instant. Praise God that he does. But there are some places in our lives, some strongholds, some hurts that need his power to be removed. In Mark 9, we see this. It's a story. Jesus has just been transfigured, and he comes down in the mountain with Peter, James, and John to the rest of the disciples. And let me pick it up in verse 17. It says, someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought you my son, my son to you. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. Hold on to that. Jesus says, how long has this been happening to him? Jesus asked his father. From childhood, he said. And many times it's thrown him into fire or water to destroy him. Listen to what he says. But if... If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the father of the boy cried out, I do believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was quickly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you. Come out of him and never enter him again. When God delivers you, you're delivered. Then it came out, shrieking and throwing him into terrible convulsions. The boy became like a corpse so that many said he's dead. But Jesus, taking him by the hand, raised him up and stood him up. And this is what I want you guys to hear this morning. After he had gone into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? And he told them, This kind meaning the demon, can only come out by nothing but prayer. Prayer. You see, there's some things in your life that in order for breakthrough to happen, there's a cost. Jesus said it happens through prayer. When we worship and pray, it changes the impossible to the possible. Breakthrough for our church, for our lives, for our strongholds, come through worship and prayer. See, we're often like the disciples, standing around powerless, wondering why we're called overcomers in the Bible, but experience very little overcoming. We praise him on Sunday, but on Monday through Saturday, we live in defeat. God didn't call you to defeat. He may allow it in your life because you allowed it, but he's given you everything you need. He has given you power. God has deposited power in us. According to Romans 8, we have the same power that rose Christ from the dead operating in us. And that power is through the Holy Spirit. We have God's power in us. Listen to how Ephesians links it to prayer in asking and praying. Ephesians says this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably, that means exceedingly, abundantly, more than we could ask or imagine. There's our prayer part. And this is the word I want you to remember. According to his power that is work. Where's the power? Within us. Within us. Okay. Why doesn't God do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask when we pray? Why? 
Because it's according to the power that works in us. That is the key to understanding worship and prayer. That word means this. The word according. Remember, God says immeasurably, and now let's look at this word according that was underlined. To the measure of. That's what according means. To the measure of. And this is what it's saying. It's to the measure that we allow him to release his power to earth through us as we pray and worship. Another word for that is distribution. Distribution. God wants his power distributed. How much power are you distributing through your prayer and worship? How much are you distributing to your family through prayer? Measuring out through your worship. A little bit on Sunday or every day. This is a 24-7 thing. God has decided to cooperate with us through prayer and worship. In fact, he won't move until his people worship and pray. Listen, you've got to hear this this morning. He doesn't move until his people pray. And I'm going to make a bold statement here. A bold statement. But God, his unlimited power is limited on this earth by our prayers. Now, he's all powerful. He chooses to work through his people. It's a partnership. Want me to show you? Daniel in the book of Daniel, prayed 21 days, prayed 21 days for breakthrough. Remember, 21 days for something. God had actually answered it the very first time he prayed, but there was a battle going on to get the answer to the earth. What if Daniel had given up? He had no idea that God had answered it the very first time he prayed on day one. And he had no idea there was a spiritual battle in the spiritual realm. His continued prayer and worship was releasing power for the battle and breakthrough. But what if he had given up? What if he was like us, offering up a careless prayer up to the Lord, and if it doesn't happen, well, maybe I just don't even believe in God. Maybe I'm agnostic now or whatever. What if he'd given up? Guys, there's a battle going on when you worship and pray. A battle in heavenly places, spiritual wickedness in high places, principalities and powers that determine events and things on earth. Don't think that these world events aren't happening. And there's things going on behind the scenes as well. We are engaged in that battle. Decisive battle in people's lives and nations are being played out through your worship and prayer. Decisive battles are being played out in your own life and is contingent on your willingness to worship and pray continually. Let me say this. Is it possible that prayer is not trying to get God to move as much as it is God getting us to move according to his will and release enough power in his spirit to get the job done? We are his body, and you're part of releasing his glory on earth, his power on earth, his will on this earth. And remember, we already prayed it, the Lord's Prayer, how Jesus taught his disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said, you need to get heaven on earth. I want earth to look like heaven. It's your prayers that are releasing God's power into situations. The problem is we want it quickly, and if it doesn't come We don't wait on God and we assume the answer is no. We don't see our part and partnership in the releasing of that answer or that we have very much power when we pray. But God has deposited his power in you. How many of you know this? Do you know what the fastest animal is on earth? 
And I really hope this is that part. I just said on earth. I didn't write that in my notes. So Glenn Farrell, fact check me. What the fastest animal on, earth, on planet earth is? I'll add planet earth just to even dig my, deeper into this. It's a cheetah. And I've said this before from stage. You didn't fact check me then, so we'll see. <laughs> Cheetahs can run 70 miles per hour. That's how most, fast most of you drive on 548 to get to church. I've seen you. Okay, maybe that was how fast I drive on 548 to get to church. But cheetahs can't run for long because they have a disproportionate sized heart. They can't run very far. A cheetah runs hard and fast, but he doesn't run far. That's how most Christians worship and pray. They worship and pray with a few songs on Sunday and their faith is strengthened. Their perspective is changed to see as God and to have faith, but it doesn't last long. So your praise and prayer don't have much power because you don't have much staying power. Staying and standing on the promises of God, praying and worshiping him. No cheetah prayers. We want Daniel prayers. Amen? That's what happened to disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember Jesus said to the disciples in the garden, why can't you tarry with me? Tarry means to wait. And he says, you can even pray for one hour. They were sleeping. And he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. God is inviting us to tarry with him and to know his heart and to release his heart on this earth. Have you ever thought about this? Why did Elijah have to pray seven times for rain when God already said he would send it? Was Elijah trying to talk God into doing something he already said he was going to do? No. So what was Elijah doing? He was releasing enough power on earth to agree with heaven, staying confident before God for breakthrough from heaven to earth. He was partnering with God, just like Daniel did without even knowing it. He didn't pray like a cheetah and give up. He prayed till the job was done. He tarried in prayer. You see, God adds his fire to our worship and prayer. When God's people come together, believing Something happens. Something happens. It says this in Revelation 5.8. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, and each having a harp, remember that's worship, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Where are the prayers of the saints? Where are their prayers stored? In heaven, every time you pray. Revelation 8.1 says this through 2. When he opened the seventh seal, there was a silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And listen to this. And the smoke of the incense and the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel, this is my favorite part. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with the fire from the altar, and he threw it back down to earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. Those are all symbols of God's power on earth, God moving on earth, God doing something miraculous through the prayers of his people. Here's the point. 
when we worship and pray. When we have the harp and the bowl, all that prayer goes into a bowl in heaven and the fire of God is added to that bowl when it's full, shot back down to the earth and God begins to move. It's the fire of the Holy Spirit. This is the same fire that was thrown down at Mount Carmel with Elijah prayed. It's the same fire that fell at Pentecost when they prayed. It's the same fire that led Israel at night in the desert. It's the same fire that Moses spoke to in the burning bush. It's the fire of God. What if God added his fire to our prayers and hurled it back to this earth? You know what happens? Breakthrough happens. Revival happens at this church. Demons flee. Souls are healed. Sicknesses are healed. Deliverance. How does it happen? We just read it. It says when the bowl is full. When the bowl is full. When we stop doing these cheetah prayers and start praying like Daniel. We start worshiping in faith and standing on the promises of God. I think it looks like this, TBA. There is an angel ready for TBA's prayers to be full so he can just fling down those answers down to earth. And we can see deliverance. That's what I think is happening. I think that's what God has called us to. Don't you ever think that casual, half-hearted, sporadic prayer is enough for breakthrough. Guys, we're not filling the bowls. But the angel's waiting. Our God wants that pleasing aroma of incense. The angel's waiting. You pray until the bowl is filled and the peace of God comes over you. Band, you can come up. This morning there are bowls up here. This is uh, on sale, so they're not bowls, they're square. But these are our bowls today, right? And there's things to write on. We have a place called the War Room right over here. God's called us to be a people of prayer every Sunday for people to feel that during the services. There's places where you can put your prayer requests on the wall. And this morning what I want you to do is maybe you need to say, God, I'm here, I'm committed, I'm going to pray about this. I'm not going to release any cheetah prayers anymore. I'm going to stand on your promises. I'm going to worship. I'm going to pray. Maybe there's things in your life that you need to surrender to God this morning, that you need to surrender to Jesus. Maybe today you need to fill that. We want to fill this bowl with prayer. We want to put it back in the war room, and people are going to be praying over these things every Sunday. Listen, there is something different when God's people all come together and pray. I've prayed for my son's breakthrough with headaches by myself a bunch. It's a very articulate word there, a bunch. And God heard me, but he was waiting until I got my brothers in a D group together. And back in that room, we anointed my son, and he hasn't had the headaches that he had since. I don't know why. When God's people come together, when the children of God come together, God moves Listen, God wants to move on this church. God wants to move on this church. He's calling us to be a people of prayer. So while the music is playing, you can come up here. Maybe you just need to spend, this is like an altar, okay? This is like an altar. Maybe you need to pray and just write down something and fill the bowl. Maybe you just need to bow before him today. Maybe you just want to stand up here and worship. That's up to you. Listen, remember, the king goes before you.
to war for you when you pray. And the king is here. Let's worship him. In Jesus' name, go and stand on your feet.